0: I want to share with you a principle. Lately, I have been principle preaching, what they call principle preaching. There's expository preaching, which takes a passage and usually takes a meaning out of the passage, like Nehemiah did off a wood pulpit, and explain the meaning. That's what they call exposition or explanation preaching. And that's great. I do that. I also do topical preaching. That's a great way. Uh, and today is what I call principle preaching. Those are things that the Bible teaches in principle. Now, I'm going to go to a passage because we don't do any preaching without the Bible. There's no point in me being up here telling you my philosophy. I'm going to tell you what the book says. And so the text you want to turn to, if you have your book, is John chapter 12, verse 4 through 6. We purposefully do not put that up on the screen because I want you to use your book if possible. If you don't use your book, fine, but I'm not telling you you have to, but I'd like you to use your book if possible, or your phone, or however, wherever it is. Years ago, I heard someone say, you are today what you have been becoming. How many have ever heard that phrase? Just a few of you. You are today what you have been becoming. I I hope everybody in this room, before you get out of here, gets this real good, real good. I'm gonna tell you the mystery. I'm gonna solve a couple of mysteries. One of them is the mystery of addiction. There really is no mystery to addiction. There is no mystery at all. And I'm gonna to talk to you about how all sin is addictive. All, is that the trumpet or what? <laughs> you know, we hard of hearing people, the trumpets will sound, I hope I get to hear it, Amen. Obviously, turn your phones off, ladies, if you can find them, and if they're charged, which are probably not. So my mind began to, when I heard this phrase, immediately began to think through it, meditate over it, roll it over. Often we give excuses for people. Oh, oh, we give excuses, especially to ourselves. Listen, the person to be hard on is you. Be hard on yourself so others don't have to be. Quit being easy on yourself. Don't give yourself a lot of room. Don't give yourself a bunch of wiggle room. You face up to it. Belly up. Be, if nothing, be a little harder on yourself than you ought to be. You won't. But at least be honest with yourself about it. We give so many excuses. I get so many tired of hearing myself as well as everybody else. We believe something that, was, that maybe just happened. Or that we did, maybe was impulsive or just thoughtlessly done. It's because we do not understand this principle of life. You are today what you have been becoming. Let me start in John chapter 12, verse 1, read through verse 6 to help you get a grip on this. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. That's just a little ways outside Jerusalem. Where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. That's a big deal. Today at church, we will have somebody that was dead, clinically dead, doctor. Dr. Doctor Bailey, was clinically dead and was raised from the dead. That'd be a big deal. That'd be a big deal. Everybody would want to come. And so they, were, they made him a supper and Martha served and she always did. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Big deal. Then took Mary, her sister, a pound of ointment of spikenard. Now what that was in the Hebrew is Chanel number five. (laughs) You people that want to know Hebrew. That was a very costly ointment. I know I bought some Chanel number five for my wife when I used to be able to smell. And it was a hundred bucks an ounce, hundred bucks an ounce, I don't know. The problem was my wife can't smell And she puts it on like. And when I could smell, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't let her get in the car with me. I said, I can't can't breathe. I can't breathe. So because she couldn't smell, she put more on than she should. It took me years to get that fixed. I know you wanted to hear that. But anyway. Trying to get you to remember something. So she did this extremely expensive ointment, Chanel number five, and anointed the feet of Jesus. The, what? the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Of course, her hair got to smell good too, amen. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. It said one of the disciples, guess who? Judas Iscariot. Simon's son, which should betray him. I preach a whole sermon on Judas was the son of someone. How would you like to have been Simon and had a son named Judas, Iscaria? I feel bad for him. Now, this is a key verse, verse five. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? That was the statement. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. You would not know that if the Holy Spirit didn't want, but he revealed the inside working. Not that he cared for the poor, but because, and you want to circle, underline, and highlight, he was a thief. And had the bag and bear what was therein. I believe subtly in some respects, this passage teaches the principle of you are today what you have been becoming. Judas was not looking out for the welfare of the poor. He was covetous of money and valued it personally much more than people. Mary gave a year's wages a typical year's wages for a day laborer in one moment. That's what that 300 pence equal. One year's wages brother waiting that'd be like for one of you guys, one of your new guys, his whole year wages. Which be on poured on that feet, just boom. That's shock about anybody, right? I mean, it's a lot of money. What's the starting of a day labor? 20 grand, 25 grand. That'd be a lot of money. Boom. But only the Bible would let us know this. Otherwise, we wouldn't. Why did Judas react the way he did? Well, because he had been becoming a thief long before this day it may have started when he was a child and it usually would. It may have started in his teenage years. Maybe he was stealing small stuff, paper clips, paper. Maybe in his job, taking paper out of the copier. Oh, they won't miss it. Let me tell you what. You can't take anything from somebody else without their permission, without being a thief. Nothing. Not a piece of paper, not an eraser, not a pencil, not a pen. Unless your employer says you can have it, and you can have it. Or you're a builder. I know, we got a law in Lee County, steal a nail, go to jail. That's usually on a construction site. That's what they call a no tolerance or a zero tolerance law. Why do they have to make that? Because people thought, worked on the job. Well, they don't pay me enough. They work me overtime, don't pay me. Or I did this little extra thing. So that two before is mine. Well, I don't know about you, but a two before right now is about 10 bucks, right? I mean, all of a sudden, wood's gold. Rock is gold. I mean, some of that stuff's going up so high. So it's the nature of God, the of nature of man, excuse me, to to take advantage of a situation, to start claiming things that are not theirs. And so maybe he started with hoarding things for himself, valuing money, material goods, over honesty. But one thing is for sure, it did not just happen when Mary poured her perfume on Jesus' feet. It just didn't happen that day. He did not, the Bible says he did not become a thief. The Bible says he was a thief. Woo, that's ingrained. That's polarized. You don't want that to happen. So what is your besetting sin this morning? What's your weakness? What are you getting ingrained in, polarized in? Is it self-pleasure or to pleasure yourself? Is it theft? Is it lying? Is it eating, gluttony? Food may be your God. Food, your reason to live. Food is what you pleasure yourself with. Food is not meant for that, even though God made it taste good. It's meant to sustain you, not to bloat you. Cause high blood pressure and all the other stuff it causes, problems as you get older. If you don't believe that, go to any doctor. Now, don't go to a heavy doctor. A heavy doctor won't tell you that. (laughs) You go to a thin doctor, they'll tell you. Whatever it is, I can tell you, whatever your besetting sin is, it started small, somewhat innocently. It begins, as you do it, to make a little groove in your character. A shallow groove at first, easily overcome. Uh, often, very little to no attention is paid to it because it's not to the place of affecting you yet, but with repetition, the groove gets deeper and more controlling. In time, if not repented and turned from, you get polarized. The groove is your master. You, like Judas, are not Becoming, you are. Oh, God forbid. God forbid. Hopelessly, helplessly, and haplessly. And I love those combination of words. You become whatever your besetting sin is. A thief, immoral, food addict, Pleasure addict. If I asked you what the ninth fruit of the Holy Spirit was, what would you tell me? Hopefully you'd tell me the word "temperance." That means self-control. Is your life under control? Now it doesn't mean you've got to be a, a marathon Olympic athlete, or you've got to look, you know you've got to have the groove, or you can wear skinny pants. Like like Chris. <laughs> but it does mean that you cannot be out of control and a slave to whatever it is, whatever it is. You can be a slave to Mountain Dew. You can be a slave to Pepsi. You sure enough can be a slave to alcohol. You can be a slave to cigarettes. When I started smoking, When I was 16, I started just small, a little cigarette once in a while, looked cool, would to look cool with all, all my buddies. Everybody smoked back then. And then I started two cigarettes, three cigarettes, a pack a day, a couple packs a day. Marlboro was my favorite brand. My, I met a girl who smoked Winston, and we shared, but I, I thought Winston were bitter compared to Marlboro. I met some girls that smoked menthol. I remember the girls about what kind of cigarette they smoked. I married the one who smoked Winston. But I'm not going to tell you who she is. But anyways, (laughs) she quit. I quit. You know why I quit smoking? It was the most pleasurable thing I ever did in my life. I mean, right up to the top. Top three. I love smoking. Whole switch for sweets, pipes, like the smell of them. But you know why I quit? It was beginning to get control of me. I started smoking, pretty soon the cigarettes were smoking me. I started saying when I was smoking, pretty soon the cigarettes told me when I was gonna smoke. They would give me such a feeling of hunger. Now, if you're just trying to quit smoking, I'm sorry. But it's a horrible battle. It's, it's like life and death. Nothing in my life had a grip on me like cigarettes. Nothing ever got in my soul, my body, like cigarettes did. I had to have them to be happy. I had to have them to live. It was like water. So I do know something of what it means to I am today what I had been becoming. I had a groove in me, brother. Brother that I knew somehow, some way I had to jump out of that groove or I wasn't going to be able to be a Christian like I wanted to be. I wasn't going to be able to do the ninth fruit of the Spirit. I wasn't going to be able to teach Sunday school. I wasn't going to be able to be a preacher. I wasn't going to be able to uh, uh, do a lot of things because those cigarettes told everybody around me that I was out of control. It wasn't about whether my lungs were hurt or whether I'd get emphysema I didn't care about any of that. It wasn't about that. And so I know something, what it feels like to have something get a grip on you. Um people that lie, I've known people, <coughs> people that lie. Um they'd rather walk two miles and tell a lie than stand still, and tell the truth. I mean, it's horrible. They just they go fishing, they make up fish, they borrow fish pictures. Put them up on the screen. They ain't their fish. They had to buy those fish. But I mean, you know, the reputation of fishermen is they are liars. Unless you see a ruler, brother, don't you believe a thing they say. Trouble is, they make an inch about that long with well, those rulers really, they're 20 inches, right? Look at that, about that long. But uh, seriously, lions are real serious, serious problem. Man, your word should be your bond. I sold my mom and dad's house on a handshake to Ben Atto. He said, we need a contract, no. We need money to exchange. I said, No. What difference would it make? If I can't believe what you say, why do we need any of that? And so we went to closing and they made us do a contract or they wouldn't do it. So we did a contract, no money exchange until they gave me the final check. I gave it to my mom. And Ben was so impressed by that. He said, man, I said, Ben, are are you an honest man? He said, I am. I said, I'm good with it. I wish everybody was that way. That's like heaven. I'm describing a little heaven, by the way where everybody tells the truth. Whoa, that's gonna be a great place. But what's terrible to this thing about addiction, about this groove I talked about, that you're blind, most people that are in those grooves are blind, somewhat blind to the horror of it. Bitterness can be one of these grooves, bitterness. It's not always drug addiction. Anger can be a groove. It's a habit. Being an angry person is nothing more than a stinking, filthy habit. You do not have to be angry. You do not have to be bitter. Right now, I'm working with somebody that's so bitter at, her, at his kids. Got two, got two daughters. So bitter at them daughters. He told me, I just want to kill them. I mean, I said, Man, you're bitter. He said, I'm not bitter. You just told me that you wanted to kill your daughter you're so angry at him. Oh, yeah, I didn't mean that. Oh, yes, you did. They don't talk to each other. They don't visit each other. There's separation on both sides. I'm trying to somehow heal that. That's where some of this comes from. And so he is today what he had been becoming. He started out with little bitternesses that he didn't settle. And that got to another bitterness that didn't settle. And another bitterness that didn't settle, another conflict. Brother, you need to stay, as old Tom, Tom Gillespie says, you need to stay on a short list with people. If they offend you, go right to them and get it right, right now. Everybody say that. Oh, man, you can't know how that plagues people. I asked some woman, came in my Office, she was having mental trouble, mental, mental issues. And she said, I'm just having, I'm a, I said, what do you do for a living? She said, I'm a psychiatrist. <laughs> I didn't realize suicide among psychiatrists is, is right up there with Dennis. And I said, wow, you're thinking about killing? She says, yeah, I just wanna end it all. There's gotta be something better. I said, oh, there is. So we started talking. I said, make a list of the people you're bitter at, starting with the most bitter down to the least bitter. She came back to, with a, a 30 people. 30 people. You know who she started with? Her mom and dad. You two girls. Don't you get bitter at mom and dad? Forgive them. Hey, I didn't know I could do that. Let it go. Are you perfect? Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter seven. I'll forgive you, God says, like you forgive others. That ought to sink deep in your soul. That means if you don't forgive everybody around you, the trespasses they do against you, you are not forgiven of your sins. And brother, I need forgiveness. Every day. There's nobody I can think of I haven't forgiven. If there ever, if it comes up, I go to them and say, please forgive me, please forgive me. Make, make it, I get right with my staff regularly. I hate doing it, but I do it. It's always hard to get right with your people. I go to Wendy and say, Wendy, please forgive me for getting angry at you for that. Or I'll go to uh, other people, you know, that work with me. But why? I'm selfish. I want to be free. Ooh, free from bitterness. That's, That's one of them grooves. I'll bet there are bitter people in this congregation, definitely in the sound of my voice, that right now are denying it. And that's the source of your trouble. That can be the source of all kinds of other trouble in your life. It'll go out. It'll just radiate itself out. I got to move on. Have you ever walked into a room where there was a strong stench? Hopefully not this room. Years ago, we switched over from septic tank to sewer system at Gospel. They offered to hook us up, so we said sure. Why, because it's unlimited building. Once you have sewer, you can build as much as you want. So we got rid of our septic tanks and we hooked up to the sewer and I thought that was the best idea in the world, you know. Till I walked in here one day, and I don't know if you've ever smelled methane gas. That's sewer gas, that's methane gas. And this whole church smelled like a toilet that hadn't been flushed in about three days. And you know, the house of God. Oh, I was mortified. I was mortified. Nothing much you could do. We opened up all the doors. We aired the thing out as much as possible. We didn't know where it was coming from. We didn't know what would happen. On Monday, I got on the phone to the people and I said, let me tell you something. This is priority one. You get your people over here and you find out why we're getting methane gas coming out of your sewer into our church because this is, you're gonna, the end of the world. This is the end of the world. And I said, to make that, to make that clear, I'm taking my lighter and I'm going around all the bases of the toilets and all the places where it can come. And She said, don't do it, don't do it. <coughs> don't do it. I said, no, I'm taking my lighter. And I'm going around everywhere I think it's coming. Don't do it don't do this methane gas, it's highly volatile, it may blow up, the whole place may blow up. I said, right. (laughs) It's blowing up or you're fixing it. She said, well, you wait till we get a guy over there. What it was is they were creating a back pressure, a pressure on our system and it was coming out wherever it could come out. And obviously this morning when you walked in, you didn't smell that, right? We hope not. Because boy, that was an awful hard one to kill. But if you stay long enough, here's what I found out. I'd walk in, the stench of the methane was just unbelievable, pressing. But after a while, I didn't smell it. God has mercy on us. He makes it where your smeller acclimates to the smell, and pretty soon you don't smell it. I took a group of people to Haiti. We landed in Haitien, and uh, there was open sewage in that area. And we walked out, when we got out of the plane, I had a, a, a man, his wife, and a couple other people. The woman would hold her nose. Oh, oh, preacher. Oh, preacher. Oh, preacher. I said, quit that. The Haitian people are going to get offended. You're, you're saying their country stinks and don't do it. Don't quit. I can't help it, preacher. I'm going to throw up. I'm going I'm to throw up. I said, don't do that. Two days from there, she didn't even smell it. She was fine smell was still there that's what a besetting sin is like you got it you just don't smell it anymore you're still staining you still got the habit you're still hurting people mostly yourself but you just don't see it if I can somehow break through with the Holy Spirit,'ll somehow break through the, the darkness here. I have never known anybody with a, with a bad addiction didn't really go easy on themselves. You've got to quit going easy on yourself. Judas thought he was really doing a favor to everyone questioning a waste of a year's wages at Jesus' feet. I totally believe that. I believe Jesus was so engroved and great and ingrained in that thing that he thought he was doing everybody a favor. There, why? There's plenty of poor people need help. Is are you are you interested that Jesus did not rebuke her for, for for spilling an entire year's wages on his feet, putting it on their... Now we're talking about Jesus cared for the poor. Nobody, you don't care for the poor more than Jesus, and yet he didn't. Not one word of rebuke. In fact, he honored her and she honored him. He said, the poor you're always going to have with you in another place. But me, you'll not always have. Jesus did not rebuke her. I believe this is the key to addiction. All sins addictive. Let me try to give you, this is the process. Let me go through this process. Repetition, Of a sin builds a habit, builds more repetition, which ingrains the habit. We need outside help to overcome what we have been becoming. We need to repent to God and everybody else we've heard, of course and believe in the gospel, get saved. Obviously, it starts with getting born from above. You get the Holy Spirit. You go to the word of God. You begin to read the Bible and what it expects of you and, and crying out to God in prayer. You, you sit under the foolishness of preaching. The Bible says it. Please, God, by the foolishness of preaching, save them that believe. You get help and accountability from other Christians. There's a book in the library called The Purity Principle by Alcorn. He's real big on accountability, real big on accountability. I'm talking human accountability, personal help from other folks. This may be bigger at first than you can bear, and that you need help, physical help. I started jogging at 40 years old. I hated running. I still hate running, but I hated running. I knew this was going to be hard. I knew I didn't want to do it, and I knew I'd be sore, and so I got it old Tim Ripley. And Tim Ripley, I said, Tim, would you, would you partner with me to jog? And he said, I will. And I said, don't, don't, don't let me off. If I have every excuse in the book not to go, I'm busy, people died, you know, I got to do a funeral. He said, you tell, you tell me, forget all that, you're running. Don't you let me off, don't you do it. And then once in a while, he, I'd call him up, and say, I just got back from the emergency room. He worked in trauma center emergency room for 17 years. And he said, uh, I guess had a big thing going I said, I don't care what you're going on. If your wife died, we'll bury her later. We're running. <laughs> he goes, we're running. We ran. Pretty soon I could run a mile, two miles, three miles, five miles, kick it, feel good. Woo, that was big with me. That was big. You can do it. You can do it with help, but you need help from other people. There were times when Tim called me. If he not called me, I would not have run, trust me on that. I'd, have, I'd have begin to break down my habit and the repetition I needed. Now, the younger you get saved, the better probably it is. However, I've seen old old sinners with well-embedded wickedness broken in a short period of time. Where does that come from? It comes from Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> verses one and two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is just your reasonable service. I put the word just in, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't do it like they do it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the three wills of God. The word transform I looked up. It only appears twice in the New Testament more than here. You won't believe where it appears. It appears in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse four and five, where it talks about Satan transforming himself into an angel of light. That's the same word used here in Romans chapter 12, verse two. We're to be renewed by the transforming, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That means just as radical as old Satan becoming looking like a minister of light or an angel so you can be transformed by God into a new creature. Woo! I am today what I have been becoming. Little by little, little by little. What's God been doing? He's been transforming me into a completely different looking being than the old angry, selfish, pleasure-loving, sin-loving young man that I was. The Bible calls me a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things passed away. That's the era, past event, future results. All things passed away, all things become new. I believe God has the power. What about you? I've seen helpless and hapless and hopeless drunkards made sober teetotalers. I've seen whores, women that came to me and said, I've had 57 other men. I don't, I always wonder why they keep track. Become moral, upright, married women. It would be an honor to be married to. Yeah, that's what the the Bible's all about. That's what the gospel's all about. It's not good people going to heaven. It's bad people getting transformed by the renewing of their mind and going to heaven. You can become the opposite that you've been, or if I may say, are. My daughter-in-law, which I just happened to glance at, she used to hate exercise and hate getting up early. Two things she's overcome. Now, be honest with you, I didn't think she'd do it. I thought she, she loves herself more than that. But you surprised me. Two things you used to tell me. I don't like getting up early and I don't like exercise or running or whatever it was. And now she's probably gonna say I never said that, but she said it. <laughs> and now she's an animal. Gets up five o'clock, goes to Pure Bar and exercises and spread that disease to other people. And, 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 and gets up, you know, how do you do that? How do you do that? Little by little. You are today what you have been becoming. Beat it today. That's all you gotta do is beat it today. And by the grace of God, beat it tomorrow. But you don't have to beat tomorrow today. You only have to beat today. Just beat today. Just win today. Just if you get angry, get over it and get right with everybody around you today. Whatever your, whatever your groove is, whatever your trouble is, I've seen thieves become honest people. Liars become truthful folks. I believe you can change. This thief, this, I know we're all really born in sin. I'm not trying to say we start good and go bad. We, we're all sinners. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel, I like that song. I mean, that little girl that, Barrels just had. You won't have to teach her to lie. She'll lie on her own. You won't have to teach her to steal. She'll steal on her own. You won't have to teach her to be spoiled. But it's got to be a daily deliverance. <clears throat> Listen, when you fail, be hard on yourself and rebuke your failure. Denounce your setback. And be accountable to God. <clears throat> Early in my life, I struggled with pornography. Now, I'm not gonna ask a show of hands in here of the men, but it'd be unbelievable, 95%. Men like to look at women. And pornography is a natural. And so I was, man, young. I was a young guy, and I'd try to get my hands on everything I could get on. I loved it. That I had got right with God and I had to say I re, I reject it. I I it's not part cannot be part of my Christian experience. So about 20 years ago, I go get the mail, and somebody gifted me a Playboy subscription. And you know, the picture on the outside of that magazine is uh Seductive, and I looked at that, and all those feelings came back. I wanted to look at every page of it, and I and the Holy Spirit said, "No, no, 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 no." And I took the magazine out. If you'd have saw me, you thought I was crazy. I'm out in front of my house at the mailbox. I took the magazine. I held it up to heaven. I said, "God, I renounce this. This is not me." Threw it away. You got to get that crazy. You got to get that crazy. It's not something you can play with. It's powerful powerful. So you begin to be a moral, honest person. The groove is small. You can jump out of it easy. But the more repetition, the more days go by, the deeper the groove gets. This is the good news, and we're ending. We've got three minutes. We're going to end with the good news. Good habits Get grooves too, and they, the groove can get deep with time, to where it's hard to get out of a good habit. How you like that news? Reading my Bible, I cannot live happily without reading my Bible, folks. I'm addicted. Help me. I'm addicted this morning. <clears throat> You, people that exercise, you cannot go a day or two without exercising. You can't do it. If you do, you feel so bad, so guilty, so horrible. You got to get back out and pound the pavement. You got to get back out and do what you're doing. Why? Because you've made it a good habit. Good habits fight to keep you. And so if I don't read my Bible, man, I'm like, oh, man. My life is not right. I don't feel good. I gotta get back to the book. Isn't that where you wanna be this morning? I gotta go to church, I can't be happy. I, I, gotta, I gotta give to God or I'm not gonna be happy. I, I've gotta read my book or I'm not gonna be happy. I gotta witness, I gotta carry tracks, I gotta do da-da-da-da-da, you just, about 12, 15 good habits that have been ingrained in your life that you've done little by little, and you are today what you have been becoming. It's all on choice. I'm gonna explain a mystery to you right now. This explains the verse where it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's what he means. What What I talked about this morning is work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not gonna come and grab you and make you do it. You're gonna to have to start your, jump out of the old, go into the new, stay into the new. If you go back into the old, denounce it, go back into the new, and keep that process up, and never give up, and the righteous falleth seven times, and riseth up again. Glory to God. Hallelujah, this is good news. Second John 1:8 says look to yourselves that you lose not those things which you have wrought but you receive a full reward. Second Peter 3:17 says ye therefore beloved brethren seeing you know these things before beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked that's all them all them horrible sins and lusts in the scripture some 49 of them I believe. Don't you don't want them. And you fall from your own steadfastness. You are today what you have been becoming. Father, help us this morning. Release some people this morning. Free some people this morning. Whosoever sins is servant of sin, the Bible says. But you don't have to be a slave. Not with the Holy Ghost. Not with the Word of God. Not with brothers and sisters in Christ that will help you. Help us to be free today. There's some folks addicted to food today, addicted to to uh, pleasure today, addicted to their eyes, watching stuff shouldn't watch, addicted to anger, addicted to bitterness, addicted to lying, addicted to covetousness. Break it. That's what it means by breaking the chains of sin. Oh, may God touch you. May you not live a hopeless, helpless, and hapless life. But may you be, as it says in Romans eight thirty seven, more than conquerors through him that loved us. If God be for you, who can be against you? Help us, Father. Deliver some folks. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida,